0: This morning, God's Word comes to us from the first epistle of John, that's near the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be reading this morning just the verses 7 through the end of that chapter. First John uh, chapter 4 beginning at verse 7. What we hear now is God's word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, this morning we continue our series on the facets of salvation taking that glorious gift God has given us, the gift of our salvation, and, and like a diamond, uh, holding it up to the light. to see the various facets of that wonderful gift. We talked last time about expiation. Now that was a couple of weeks ago, children. Maybe you don't remember that. Expiation, we looked at that story of those two goats that gave us a picture of the removal of our guilt and the removal of our sin itself. That was expiation. The removal of our guilt and the removal of our sin. This morning, we're gonna look at another facet of salvation and another very big word, the word propitiation. Now I'm sure kids, the word propitiation is a word you have never said and a word you have seldom heard. So I'm going to hopefully help you understand what we mean by propitiation as one of those facets of salvation. Because propitiation is a facet that affects how we live with those around us. It affects those with whom we come in contact. Propitiation deals with the wrath of God. And how we recognize that wrath of God will affect how we interact with those around us. Propitiation is a word that only occurs four times in the New Testament. The word only occurs four times in the New Testament, twice uh, in the Apostle John. And I find that so interesting because propitiation deals with the wrath of God And the apostle John is the apostle of God's love. John writes again and again about the love of God, the love of God toward us and the love of God in us we are to have with one another. The context in which God's wrath is discussed is the love of God. Look at verse 10. In this is love... Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. This morning we talk about propitiation, one of the facets of salvation. While well, well, I said that the propitiation word only occurs four times in the New Testament, it occurs many times in the Old Testament. And from that, we can get something of a sense of what this word means. Propitiation, that word, uh, is used in the Old Testament with reference to the Ark of the Covenant. Remember the Ark of the Covenant, kids? That was that box that God had His people build to represent Him among His people. And on the top of that box, there was a particular... um, part of the box we sometimes call the mercy seat it's also referred to as the atonement cover and that word mercy seat or atonement cover is connected with the word propitiation propitiation has to do with a covering something being covered Propitiation in the Old Testament we see in connection with the sacrifices of the people. That is referenced in Hebrews chapter 2, where in Hebrews 2 we read this, 2.17, about Jesus Christ. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The work of the high priest was to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people. Jesus Christ came to do that, offering up himself as a propitiation. That word occurs once again in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 3, We read this about God who sent Jesus Christ, whom God put forward, Jesus Christ, God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. Propitiation deals with the shedding of blood, with the priesthood, with the sacrifices. And so kids, kind of putting that all together, I want to give you a a simple basic understanding of what propitiation means propitiation is the covering of the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus so kids if you're taking notes you write that down the covering of the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus and so we see it's different Then expiation, talked about that last time, another one of those big Asian words, okay? Expiation last time talked about the removal of our guilt and our sin, something that changed in us. Propitiation makes reference to God. It is His wrath that is being covered over. His wrath, God is being made propitious His wrath being covered. There was a a slight reference to that in our text from, I guess it was now three weeks ago, from that Leviticus text and the Day of Atonement. Maybe you recall that sermon from a couple weeks ago, Leviticus chapter 16. We read there about the priest going in to make atonement. In Leviticus 16, verse 12, the priest, he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat That is over the testimony so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side. On the front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood of his finger seven times. There's this incense cloud to cover over the presence of God. There's this blood put on the mercy seat to cover over God's wrath. That's what's going on in propitiation. The wrath of a holy God being covered. Now there are those who would suggest we shouldn't talk about that with regard to the God of Scripture. The idea of propitiation is really, they would say, a pagan concept, dealing with pagan gods. Because the pagan gods were very capricious. They were always angry about something. If the rains weren't coming, it's because the gods were angry. If the crops weren't growing, it's because the gods were angry. And people were always bringing these offerings of propitiation to cover over the wrath of pagan gods. And they would say, we shouldn't use that concept to talk about our God, a God who is angry, a God who is capricious. Well, certainly our God is not capricious, but he is a God of wrath. The idea of propitiation is not a pagan concept. It is one that is found throughout the scriptures. We read about that again this morning in Psalm 5 in our call to confession. You are not a God who takes pleasure in evil with you. The wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. And that theme of God's righteous anger is found throughout the Psalter. We could look at Psalm 7. Psalm 7, verse 11, God is a righteous judge, a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. God's anger against the wicked. Again, from Psalm 21. Psalm 21, verse 8. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them as a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in His wrath, and fire will consume them. The wrath of God. And just one more from Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 22. Let their own table before them become a snare. And when they are at peace, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so they cannot see. Make their loins tremble continually. Pour out your indignation upon them. Let your burning anger overtake them. May their camp be a desolation. Let no one dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom you have struck down. They recount the pain of those whom you have wounded. Add to them punishment upon punishment. May they have no acquittal from you. Let them be blotted out from the book of the living. God's righteous anger toward those who are opposed to him. Know the... The idea of God as a righteous God is a biblical concept. Yet some would still say, some would still say, yes, it's a biblical concept, but it's an Old Testament biblical concept. That's the way God used to be. Yes, we read that in the Old Testament. In the Psalms, God was righteous. God was angry. God had indignation. But that's the Old Testament God. We serve the New Testament God. Well, God does not change there are there are four texts in scripture which describe the very essence of God what God is one of those texts is John 4 verse 24 where it says God is spirit and to be worshiped in spirit and truth Two of those texts or two of those references are in our text this morning John 1 John 4 at verse 8 1 John 4 verse 8 anyone who does not love does not know God because God is his very essence God is love and again in verse 16 so we have come to believe that the love of God has been has been made for us God is love that's his essence God is spirit, God is love. In 1 John chapter 1, we read, God is light. In Him is no darkness at all. That is His essence. He is spirit, He is love, He is light. And the fourth text, which talks about His essence, is found in Hebrews chapter 12. In Hebrews, in the New Testament, chapter 12, God is a consuming fire. That is New Testament language. That is his essence. God is spirit, God is love, God is light, and God is a consuming fire. No, this language of propitiation is not sub-Christian language. It is not Old Testament language. It is biblical language to describe the fullness of the God who has saved us. A God who is whose justice, a God whose righteousness needs to be satisfied. His wrath must be covered over. There are those, again, who try to soften propitiation. As I did reading this past week, it was amazing how many, how many writers don't like the concept of the wrath of God or propitiation. And they would say, you know, really, it's not that God's love is covered over. It's, it's that God's wrath covered over. It's that God's wrath is turned into His love. God's wrath is turned into His love. We know that can't be the case when we look at Jesus Christ on the cross. The wrath of God poured out on Him so that He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? taking the fullness of God's wrath, not that he changed God's wrath to love, but that wrath of God poured out on him that God might be made propitious toward his people. Propitiation happens in the context of God's love for us, his loving care for us. That's what John points out in verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. The wrath of God poured out upon His Son, Jesus Christ, as an expression of His loving care for us. Romans 3 talks about God being the one who is just and the one who justifies. God is the only one who can satisfy His own wrath. This is why He sends His own Son the Son of God, who is co-equal, co-eternal with God, because only God can bear the wrath of God. No other Savior, no other sacrifice, no mere human, they would be extinguished by that love. But God sends His Son to demonstrate His love for us, and that Son then takes the full wrath of God in us our place the greatness of his love for us in salvation look at verse 17 by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because of the propitiation because God's wrath has been covered over We now have confidence when we face God. Confidence in the face of judgment, knowing that the fullness of that judgment has already been poured out. Has been poured out in Jesus Christ. This is why he goes on in verse 18 to say, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is not a text about love between a husband and wife. This text about God's love for us and that He has removed our fear of punishment. Removed the fear that we will be judged by Him because that judgment has already taken place. His wrath poured out and covered by the sacrifice of the blood of Christ. It is what God has done. When we we make propitiation something that we have to do, we always wonder, have we done enough? Have we offered enough? Have we gone to church enough? Have we given enough to the general fund? Have we prayed enough? Have we done so many other things? Have we done enough? Propitiation is not about what we do, but about what God has done. Sending Jesus Christ... To bear the full wrath of God, that His wrath might be covered over by that perfect sacrifice. That's the, that's the glory of this facet of redemption. Jesus Christ not only takes away our sin and takes away our guilt, but the wrath of God toward us has been covered. God has been made propitious because of that sacrifice. And so Jesus Christ calls us once again today to put our faith and trust in Him for salvation. Nothing we could do, nothing we could offer, we are too small to withstand that righteous anger. No, He calls you to put your faith in Him, to know the assurance, the freedom from fear, the freedom from judgment, the freedom from punishment, because Jesus Christ himself has taken that full wrath for you. Knowing this glorious truth, how is it that we respond to the teaching about propitiation? Propitiation, the covering of the wrath of God by the blood of Jesus. Well, kids, we respond really simply. We are to hate, what God hates and we are to love what God loves that's our response we are to hate what God hates and we are to love what God loves what is it that God hates God hates our sin it's an offense against him It's offense against His holiness and His righteousness. We are to hate our sins. To hate our our harsh words. To hate our cruel actions. To hate our sinful thoughts. We are not to make peace with our sin. But we are to hate our sin more and more. And so not return to that sin again. So often we don't hate our sin, we make peace with our sin, and times we even court our sin. We are to hate what God hates. He hates that sin that still clings to us. We are to flee to Him, and by the power of His Spirit, leave those sins behind. We are to hate what God hates, and we are to love what God loves. What does God love, children? He loves his people. He loves his people. Verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Again, verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. There is a sense of obligation. Knowing that we have a sacrifice of propitiation, that the wrath of God toward us has been covered over because of God's great love for us, we are to love each other. It is the evidence of our understanding of what God has done for us. Verse 20, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's our response to this this glorious facet of salvation. God's wrath covered over. His love for us expressed there, and now we are to love each other. That happens in our homes. That happens between husbands and wives as they seek to love each other. That happens with our children, kids with your brothers and sisters, to love each other. That happens for those who are single as they express love for the church around them. This happens between parent and child. A love because God loved us and and His wrath has been covered over. This happens within the church. We love each other because God loves us. The consequence, the response to, to propitiation, the wrath of God being covered over, is an expression of love on our part. Propitiation. A big word, kids, not a word that we use very often. And we don't often talk about the righteous wrath of God. Maybe you've noticed that in the songs we sang this morning. There was a particular theme that ran through all those songs. God's righteousness, God's holiness, God's anger, and His wrath. We don't often sing those type of songs. But this is the God of the Bible. And this is a facet of our salvation. Not just the removal of our guilt And the removal of our sin. But God's anger, God's righteous anger toward us, that which we deserved, has been covered over by the propitious sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And knowing this glorious truth, knowing we are the recipients of this gift of love, God now calls us to love each other. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God, amen, let's pray together. Lord our God, truly we are in awe of who you are, a God who is perfect in every way, a God who is perfectly loving, perfectly merciful, perfectly gracious, but also perfectly righteous, holy, just and filled with wrath. This is how you've revealed to us, to us in your word. Lord God, help us to recognize what it took to cover over that wrath, that none of us was able to, to offer the right sacrifice. <clears throat> no, it would take the sacrifice of your own son, Jesus Christ. Lord God, may we find our life in him, may we find our joy in him because of what he has done not only being our expiation, but also being our propitiation. And Lord God, may that affect us, affect our love for you, demonstrated in our love for one another. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to sing together from 265 in the Trinity Psalter hymnal. 265, I said there's not a lot of songs that uh, deal with the wrath of God. This is one of them. Note verse 2. In Christ alone, who took on flesh fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on the cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied that's propitiation we're going to sing all four verses 265 let's stand together as we sing